Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And welcome to One in Tarnation, a Tar Heel Hot Take podcast. On this episode, we're unhappy. Extremely. I'm Tanya Anderson. <laughs> and with me, as always, are Brandon Anderson and Julius Emanuel. What can be said that has not been said? I don't actually know. There's I, no point in asking how you are. There's no, it's, it's just bad. We're all out of words at this point. No, we're not. <laughs> we have a lot of words. They're just not good words. I I have to edit this somehow. And if we have to, if, if most of this ends up just being a bunch of bleeps, don't be surprised. I mean, we, <laughs> we're professionals and I believe that we can keep it professional, but I cannot... Uh, very, I, I cannot speak to the content of what this podcast will be. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, we're all doing great. We're all in very healthy, happy mind states. Um, Sunday's game against NC State was certainly a game that was played. Yeah. It happened. <laughs> It occurred. Um, can we all agree that this game kind of felt like the Duke loss too, where it's just like, I mean, I will say I have a bit harder of a time losing to state because that's just ridiculous. That should never happen. But I'm still way more mad about how bad we were than even losing the game. Um. Yes. I don't, I don't think it felt like the Duke game to me. Don't really know why, but I think it, it certainly doesn't help that uh, they are in a much worse position now than they were when the Duke game happened. Um, now they've lost five out of their last six games. But this one was just, I mean, I don't know. The, <laughs> Julius, do you do you know? <laughs> for well, so I guess for me personally, it's just that you know we've heard for year year in and year out that okay, if you split with Duke or you lose to Duke, that's okay because Duke is this quote unquote arch rival, nationally ranked kind of thing. You know, no matter whether they are or they're not, it's still Duke kind of thing. But NC State is not that, and you should not be losing to them, especially in the fashion that we just did. Even though State was ranked and, and Carolina 
was not, although state's not ranked anymore, which is um, both. Really, they're not? No, they fell out of the top 25, which is <laughs> both really funny and also a very sad indictment of Carolina where you can beat them and drop. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's some NC State stuff right there. So yes. there's there's that, but not not mad about that. Yes. <laughs> if there is a silver lining, um, I can at least enjoy that. Um, but I think the things that really frustrated me about this game, I mean. The the second half collapses certainly the top of the list. Um, they had a six point lead with about ten minutes to go, and State ran them out of the building in in the final ten minutes. It was like a twenty one to six run or something like that. It was just wildly lopsided. Um, I think the fact that State had three players with three fouls on the floor for most of the second half and Carolina acted like they've never been taught to go at a player in foul trouble, um, that was hugely frustrating. Um... And just the uh, general, I mean, RJ had a really, really unfortunate game. Uh, Pete Nance was rough again. Um, The bench outside of Puff uh, was basically invisible. Um, And also, I just don't know why... We didn't see more of the bench. Where was Jalen Washington? Um, why why did we not go to DeMarco Dunn more? So I think those are my chief complaints. Um, I'm sure I'll think of like six more if given the opportunity to continue on. But <laughs> um, those are the things that have stuck with me. I'm going to go ahead and dive into this. I was going to hold off, but um, Hubert Davis talked to the media today about the Jalen Washington thing. He was asked, what does Jalen have to do to earn more minutes? And essentially, Hubert then proceeded to list off all of the things that Jalen does well, and then he stopped talking. He didn't explain what he has to do to get more minutes. He didn't hint at what he had to do to get more minutes. He basically was just like, he has a nice jump shot. He hasn't hit a three this year, but he can hit threes. He, you know, he could do this, that, and the other. I'm like, well, we know that, but you're not. So there's a reason and you just don't want to tell us what it is. Right. Because I don't know that the reason makes sense, if I'm being quite honest and I think that's crazy. Um, and I mean, where was DeMarco done, like you asked? And I, that was even more wild to me. And that gets into that tweet that we saw earlier today. where I was just about to say, uh, DeMarco Dunn has some legitimate beef yeah. about his playing time based on um, the tweet about, uh, what is it, effectiveness? 
Uh-huh. Rotation um, effectiveness, basically. UNC combos and how they've looked in a minimum of 50 minutes. Um, it's all based off net reading or net rating. Julius, did you see this earlier? I did not. Oh, this is going to be oh, fun. Boy. So I'm going to list, list to you. So they're groupings of three players on, okay. from top to bottom. Um, the, fir- the best lineup combination on the team, R.J. Davis, DeMarco Dunn, Puff Johnson with a net rating of 100. It goes, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at that, to be honest. It's kind of hard to be surprised, right? Yeah, it's because even without thinking about the statistics, like you know, at least the starter rotation in its current form is not producing. Yeah. Yeah. And oh and boy, is it not producing. And is right. So it's like it kind of goes back to like what we were talking about at the beginning of the season where we were saying so. But now it's like so not only is it not producing, but you've got like I'm going to to borrow a a phrase from you, Tanya, a uh, non-zero amount of production. Mm -hmm. And then you also add the negatives that are coming with that when you have those specific role players on the floor. A Caleb Love shooting or this state game, R.J. Davis mimicking Caleb Love shooting. Um, (laughs) That's a a detriment. Why is that so accurate, though? It's very accurate. That's a detriment. So not only do you have, like, no production, but you're heading into the negative, right, with these turnovers and which – and I say turnovers outright, which would be applicable to this game, sure. But also the shooting that we do with the, you know, when it shoots off. Literally, I have, honestly, I have watched so much college basketball and NBA basketball. And I have never seen a consistent shot that misses that literally darts off the rim and leads to a run out for a quick two on the other end. So consistently as it happens to Carolina. Like I've, I've I've never seen this. You know, that's one of those things that I <laughs> I like never talk about in anything that I write. I've never talked about it on a podcast. But low key, one of the elements of being a really good shooter is to not have your misses do that. Like if you are shooting properly, bad you're missing. Yeah, exactly. It's not close. It's not uh, just. A little, a little off. It's like so wildly off that it like smacks off the backboard with such velocity that mm. it spins the earth the opposite way on its axis and yeah. gets shot back down the floor. And I mean, some shooters like that's just the way they shoot, and sometimes they, but a lot of, like really good to great shooters, they don't. That never happens. Um, and Baycott's the only one rebounding, which yeah. doesn't help it the does. situation. Um, I'm going to speed run through this list. Um, I'm just going to sum up the bo- top and the bottom. The top six lineup combinations have DeMarco done. That includes a lineup that has R.J. Davis and Caleb Love on the floor together, which I feel like we have talked about that being – Messy. Um, the bottom four lineups, and I'm going to read these individually because it's important. The first one, R.J. Davis, 
Caleb Love, Armando Baycott. Second, or I'm sorry, the next one. R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, P. Nance. Next one. Seth Trimble, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott. The worst one, and this is like the one knock I've done, I guess. Caleb Love, DeMarco Dunn, Pete Nance. Is it a mark? Is it a mark on Dunn? No, because it speaks more to the other ones. I was just being courteous. But it's <laughs> bad when the bottom of that list features so many starters in different combinations. Yeah. It's not exactly a recipe for success. But it also, I think Brandon and I talked about this on Sunday. And I will say, you know, I think the magical fairy dust that was the NCAA tournament last year glossed over a lot of things that were very scary about this team up until, like, mid-February. Um, it's it's a lot easier to forget about all of that when they're making that kind of run in the tournament. But I feel like it's very difficult for a team to sustain the play of our backcourt the way that it has been this season, particularly. Um, I think you can probably deal with one of those guys shooting the way that they do. But when you have two of them, it's extremely difficult, especially when they're not making it at a higher clip than they are. Um, it's extremely difficult to get past the volume um, of shots that they are putting up game after game after game after game. And I also think that this kind of speaks to two things, right? So it kind of puts into greater perspective of what they were actually able to do last year. But then also kind of a little bit more mind-boggling about this season, right? Because obviously, at least from perception, the competitiveness of the ACC definitely didn't get any worse, any better, like right? So it's, it's worse than it was last season, and you're even underperforming that? How? How? Because maybe, maybe with the exception of Baycott, maybe. No one is better than they were. No one is as good as they were a year ago. And Baycott, if anybody were to say that Baycott was worse, it's only because teams have started swarming him. Which they can do because they know that a lot of times uh, they don't have to worry about anybody else. And, I mean, like that, that is not any slander against Baycott at all. But I think it's not a coincidence that he had that run around the time like before he got hurt in the Virginia game where he was basically just unstoppable. And then it's, he's still been very good, mm-hmm. but it's definitely been a change in how teams tackle him. And it's, 
it's working because no one else, like they're basically daring other players to make a shot and they're like, no, thank you. I can't. Yes, absolutely. So it's, you know, so from my perspective is, is two things. Number one is that one, but number two is also advantageous for them. Right. Um, to double team Baycott and keep him limited because he is our only consistent offensive weapon or, and yeah, our, uh, can, our only consistent offensive weapon and consistently no one else is going to help him. Right. Um, yeah, there's just, <laughs> he's not getting any help. Um, Caleb actually had a, Pretty good game, um, 23 points, five rebounds, two assists. He tried to help, but I still feel like that's not enough even. Um, it, it's it's just not because, you know, you start factoring in the turnovers in this game, and that was a whole other thing. Um, there's 13 turnovers. We gave them 16 points off those turnovers. State didn't turn over the ball more than three times that was suboptimal and I feel like whenever you get into that realm of shenanigans that that's an effort thing you you don't sometimes the ball doesn't go in the basket for you but the least you can do is to disrupt teams on defense that is like free (laughs) and well, and so the other thing that I would that I would say is like I definitely understand Caleb's stat line, and this is not just for Caleb, but I would like to see an edit to an individual player stat line that also includes the the reduction of points from their total stat line that occurs from turnovers or misses. Yeah, because I think that would tell you like a better story than what we have. Like no, so so, so for instance, Caleb had you know twenty plus points. How many did he have when taking into account all of the other stuff? You know, is it 12 or 13? I think so. Um, and I think that would be a consistent thing that you'd see, you know, from, from game to game. And, and again, I'm not <laughs> trying to pick on Caleb, but I'm just, but I'm just saying, um, yeah, you, you, I, you really can't say, and a lot of our fan base does, like, oh, well, we had a tight loss, but Caleb had 20-plus points. Like, yeah, but um, you know how many points went the other other way because of you know either a turnover or um, a, a bad shot you know that, that he made or, or or any other player for that matter. I just I would love to see that incorporated into the stat lines um, some point. I know that's not going to happen, but I think it would tell us a better story. <laughs> but somehow that stat line looks almost pristine compared to. Two of 13 from the field, one of six from three. Four fouls. I mean, I don't even necessarily. My whole thing is I don't think RJ has been the same since he hurt his finger. Yeah. Um, He had a great month. Or took took that elbow. Yes. Yep. I think he had a great month and it was just like a switch flipped and he just has not been the same since. Um, I, I can't let him off the hook for doing the things that 
Once again, I I would like to implement the rule that you are not allowed to keep shooting threes unless you are making half of them. Um, is that too too strict? Some may say, but um, two of thirteen from the field is a brutal brutal stretch. It is, and and he played all forty minutes. Yeah. I will say, and I don't want this to be taken as some, um, I don't want anybody to think that I am providing a strong defense for what has been going on with this team, but you brought up RJ being hurt. Low-key, there's been a lot of injuries with this team. Um, At one point, Dunn was hurt at Puff's been in and out of the lineup, and Pete Nance was hurt at some point, and Baycott's been in and out with injuries. Um, Leaky went down, I think, at one point, too, didn't he? Maybe I'm making that up. I think he had a thing in the Alabama game, but it was not not a lingering. Because that was when um, Nate Oates uh, showed his behind, thinking that Leaky was... Taking it. Right. Um, my true point in bringing that up isn't to be like, oh, this is why we're bad this season. But I do think it probably plays a part in very specific aspects of each individual person's game. Um, what I will say about that, though, is there are still ways that you can contribute to the team, even if like you are being hindered by an injury in a certain type of way. Like if you can't donk because of your ankles like figure out your jumper if you really can't shoot that well then be a dog on defense like there are ways that you can still keep what's been happening from happening but we just haven't seen that and I feel like that's been the frustrating part I'm going to counter that and say that my least favorite thing in all of sports is the I know I'm hurt. I know it's a detriment to this team, but I'm going to try to play through it because I feel like that's what's expected of me because almost 100% of the time without fail, it is hurting way more than it's helping. And it's like if I think Pete Nance is – a decent example. I don't think he has been the same since he hurt his back. Like if there is a problem that is keeping him from being the same player that he maybe was toward the beginning of the season, it is either up to him to be honest with the coaching staff about how he's feeling or it's up to the coaching staff to say, Hey buddy, you're not a hundred percent we're going to give your minutes to someone who is. And I don't know which of those two things is not happening. I guess it's happening a bit more now with Puff back, Um, whether that's because of an injury thing or just because Nance has been really struggling. But I think if the player's not being upfront about maybe how healthy they are it's up to the coaches to say you can't just be out there 
stinking it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd counter and say that both of those are happening because I don't actually think you can trust his coaching staff with actually having an honest conversation with these starters about their performance. Because it's definitely, um, definitely a thing that I think <laughs> we we could spend another twenty minutes on that. But you should you should go ahead. <laughs> but no, I said so. If, so if you can't trust them to say that, then why can you trust the you know the player to acknowledge that um, they're not a hundred percent you know and they can't function and it's hurting the team? Like I just I think those kind of things go hand in hand. Um, and obviously they're not blind. They see the same thing that we see. But when you hear some of the comments that come out, um, you know, game after game with, I can't be mad at these players. They're my ride or die. And I'm like, okay, they can still be your ride or die, but you can still tell them that they suck. Um, or they're not performing. You know, let me rephrase. Or they're not performing to the level that is needed and that you know that they can. But if you can't even have that conversation, none of the other stuff is going to matter. Yeah, I mean, we all have professional sports teams that we very much love, and I I feel like they're doing a lot of work there. Yeah, (laughs) it it is. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting. But, I mean, I guess my point is I, I think we all can agree that it's very hard to find somebody that just blindly loves a team and has no criticisms about a pro sports team. And I guess that's the difference with college that I've noticed. But, I mean... It's really okay. Like, there is a way to be critical without, you know, threatening somebody's life or something like that. The phrase tough love exists for a reason. Yeah. Um, I think these guys are, what, like, average age 20, 21? I mean, they're they're older. It's, it's one of the older teams we've had in a while. Right. I think they can handle an honest conversation and, you know, to be charitable. I'm not in the locker room. I'm not, you know, privy to what's going on behind the scenes. But I think what we do here is concerning because it just doesn't seem to... Like, to use an example, I remember Roy calling a team of recent past, like, one of the most or one of the least talented groups that he had ever coached. Roy didn't love those kids any less. Right. But he could also be honest about what they were. And I feel like... There just doesn't seem to be a lot of, at least, public accountability with these guys where it's like, you know, maybe like maybe you're playing. T- <laughs> we were talking about this um, Sunday where it's like, you know, when Roy would get mad, it was five in, five out. And he didn't care what the five in were going to do for the next four minutes because he was going to chew out the five that just came out and you can, you know, make of that what you will, but there's a reason why Roy Williams is in the hall of fame. There's a reason why 
Roy Williams won three national championships. And I get that Hubert is a different guy. Like, um, I think when he was named coach, they sort of like famously talked about like he doesn't swear. He doesn't get mad. They never seen him mad. Sometimes you maybe got to get mad. You you do because things get frustrating. Like if nothing else, you're human. Like you have to have something that pushes your buttons in there. I mean, for me personally, I mean, we can talk if sports, non-sports, but like what drives me absolutely nuts is when somebody is deliberately not trying. And that could be subconscious, consciously, but like if, you know, bringing it specifically to like the basketball aspect, if I'm watching you and you're not like trying your hardest to block a shot or you're not trying to interrupt passing lanes or you're not trying to drive to the basket that stuff is infuriating like these these guys are way more talented than how they've been playing and you just know that they have more in them and we're not seeing it and i feel like when that's happening like like you said they need to be called out on it I'm going to give you guys probably the hottest take that we've had so far. So you mean this is what this podcast was made for? (laughs) I'm going to give it to you. I would hate to think that this group specifically cost us more Roy Williams when it it wasn't Roy. Yeah, it did. It did. You're right. Because, like, I think he, I mean, he said it. He was like, I don't think I'm the one that can get through to them anymore. Yeah. And and once again, I go back to Hubert Davis deserves criticism. We are, We just got done criticizing him. He will receive more criticism in the future. I don't want it to ever go by thinking that, like, you know, especially when it pertains to me personally, that I'm here with Pom Pom's chin on Hebrew Davis. Like, um, it does need to be remembered that there is something about this blankety blank group <laughs> that made that man retire, that made him say he wasn't the man for the job anymore, that made him say that, like, somebody else is probably better for them. And in the, it's just like he's had so many groups. In Kansas, as assistant coach at UNC, being head coach of UNC, he has went through kids on kids on kids. He had Rashad McCants. Right. <laughs> right. And after all of that, this was the group that made him a three-time national champion. I don't even remember how many national championships that he actually made it to. Say, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. Like, and I know that it's easy for people to be like, well, that, you know, there's people that blame Hubert way more than they blame the players and you're entitled to that. You know, it's whatever. Um, But I just feel like we can't discount the fact that a man that went through decades of players got to this group and was like, no, I'm out. (laughs) 
And I have said this in like 14 different places, but I'll say it here to complete my rounds. If Hubert Davis was saying all the right things, I would be willing to be like, it's it's the group that made Roy retire. I don't know what you want. I think the fact that it's the group that made Roy retire and we're getting sort of like hokey sayings. Yeah. It all adds up to like, sure, these guys may be very frustrating. Maybe they're very hard-headed. Maybe they don't respond well to coaching. But the whole like, we still got time, man. We've been down before kind of stuff is like, that's the tone you take when you're knocking on the door of being the first preseason number one to not make the tournament. Like that's the tone we're going with. It's, it's toxic. (laughs) Well, and so the other thing too, though, is if you want to look at it from another angle. So essentially you've had coaches from different ends of the spectrum, right? Approaching them and trying to coach them from different ways. Obviously Rory would, um, display and let them hear his how he felt. Hebert has decided that's not you know what he wanted to do. He wanted to be the comforter in chief, if you will. Um, neither one of those work have or have been working. So I, I I don't know. It's just like I know like a lot of people are like, hey, this is Hubert's fault. And again, I'm not saying that, that Hubert doesn't deserve some of the blame, but. For me to lay it at Hubert's feet, despite what he says, for me to lay it at his feet and say, okay, this is a very much more of a Hubert problem than it is a player problem, I have to see him with a different group, and it's because they have a history. And just to build on that, I feel like I have to see him with that 2024 team. I mean – I feel like there's going to be a downtick in talent next season unless he just absolutely kills the transfer portal. But we know what we're getting in 2024 for the most part. I mean, it's damn near a starting lineup with just the recruits coming in. Um, That's not even factoring in who could be staying. And I feel like by the time you get there, things either have to be better or you're going to start taking even more of the blame than you're taking right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Do you know that meme of the guy pressing the button and it says more violence? Yeah. That's what I'm about to bring to this podcast. <laughs> um, so all of that is fair. Um, if you don't want to lay the blame at Hubert Davis's feet because these guys are unreachable, Let's say that I give you that. Where I don't feel like you can give me a counterpoint 
or at least not one that I will accept, <laughs> um, is what he's doing with the bench. Yeah. And to make matters worse, I feel like it is, for lack of a better term, screwing us for next year. Because if you're DeMarco Dunn and you look at those stats, and he probably didn't need to look at those stats to feel some kind of way, but let's just say he did. Why are you not transferring to somewhere where you can find more playing time? If you're Jalen Washington and your coach is asked why, like what you can do to get more minutes, and he gives the most non-answer answer that there's ever been, why are you not transferring? And you can say that it's loyalty or whatever. Julius is shaking his head, and I completely <laughs> co-sign with that feeling. Um, but at some point, wanting to win needs to triumph over, I promised you a spot. And I think one thing that made Roy so successful for so long was that we had those games in December and January where it was like, oh, my God, Roy, why are we playing X, Y, and Z right now? They're horrible. They are stinking it up out here. But he did that because he knew that eventually that guy was going to be important. And he would need the experience that he was being given in sort of a trial by fire. None of these guys have gotten that. And we're going to need them unless, unless all the, not all the starters, but a majority of the starters are back next season. And which one is worse? I'll let you sit with that. And I'm welcoming all rebuttals at this time. The only thing that I was going to say is that perhaps the reason why we're not looking at the transfer thing. And I know uh, there were rumors of a mutiny and, you know, transfer like before Rory left kind of thing is I guess the only thing in this scenario that works for UNC is you have to look at the history of, P- of players that transferred from UNC and how they did and where they did it at. Literally for me recently, I think, the best player to the player that has transferred and performed the best at his uh, transfer school would be Playtet. And where is he playing at? Well, and Walker, Walker Kessler, Kessler, he um, he he had a pretty good career at Auburn, and now he's in the NBA having he he's having a good career. Um, I don't think I don't think Kessler applies to these guys. No. And no. the only reason I say that is because and I'm not even speaking from a talent perspective. I'm just saying that that was a unique that was a unique position because Kessler came in one year left kind of thing, but for these other dudes that have been here for a year or two, I would have to gander that they go the way of a playtag versus a Kessler. Yeah, and I mean to your point with Kessler, uh, I did some digging I think it was like a couple weeks ago because I was just like I wonder if he really actually said what he why he really transferred and um 
basically he felt like the pandemic made things really screwy and wanted to be closer to home. Believe that if you want. I don't know. But I don't believe it, but it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people that wouldn't. Um but it's definitely different with these guys. Um when you have like a Davis or a Love if they transferred or like a Dunn or you know, like these are multi year guys that they you don't even, like I don't even know where they would transfer to. I kind of forgot Kerwin Walter or Kerwin Walton transferred. I think he ended up going I don't know, I can't remember, but he didn't really improve that much. <laughs> okay. So say they say they don't transfer. They're now your starters for next season. Yeah. And you have put them in a terrible position. I don't think that's better. I don't think that's better, but that is a situation that I can live with better than I could with right now. Yeah, because, I mean, the starters are (laughs) – I think you can look at the starters right now and you're just like, you are so talented. Why is this happening? But then you can look at the potential lineup for next year. It's just like, okay, this is a drop-off. Maybe I have a little more grace with this situation, but I also feel like – you do have to draw a line somewhere, right? Like you probably can't shoot absolute dog boo-boo from three again, which it's likely that that happens. You probably need to shoot better from the field in general. It's likely that they don't. Um, My point isn't that we can't live with them being the starters. My point is that in a fair and just world that the coaches are setting their players up for success, they are given opportunities this season that they have not been given so that next season isn't a complete dumpster fire. And I just cannot get past that I you will probably just like put something about me complaining about bench minutes on my grave at this point (laughs) and they'll be sending me there soon so you won't have to wait long but I just feel like it's borderline malpractice that Dunn wasn't used more in this game that Jalen Washington wasn't used in this game and that it has been a consistent issue all season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I guess I'm just, you know, thinking about um, if you if, if we're thinking of term in terms of malpractice, which is worse, playing them in an impossible situation now or allowing them to have an entire offseason with a new with the, with the starting rotation that they're going to play with going into next season. Like I mean I, mean, I, just, that, I think it works. Yes, it, it makes sense. I just I think playing them in those situations, I mean obviously not these guys, but like I said, that was one of the features of Roy Williams teams was we played these guys probably heavier than necessary early on in the season 
to give them that experience for later on that they would need. And his strategy always seemed to pay off. And so the fact that we have moved so far and, you know, last year it was the Iron Five and just like this dedication to we will ride or we will die with these five and that is it. Let me die. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then this season, I would say there's been less of a reason to do that. But despite the struggles of the starting five, it's almost like they've still had that same chokehold on the minutes. And what if we had played more done back in, you know, late December, early January? What if we had played more Tyler Nickel? What if we had played more Seth Trimble so he had more confidence on offense, which it seems like we are lacking a bit at the moment. It's just stuff like that where it's like if you put in that time and that sort of pain earlier on, it would be paying off more now. And I just can't get past the fact that with all the reason in the world, like it would not be difficult to justify playing Caleb, RJ, Nance, fewer minutes with the way things have gone. The fact that it hasn't happened more and that we haven't seen what these guys can do more just feels like we are causing pain now and also later in one form or another. RJ Davis played all 40 minutes against State. Yeah, I said that. Yeah. I'm just reemphasizing that to drive home your point. And like, no, none of those guys were worthy of seven of those minutes, ten, nine right. of those minutes. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm choosing. I'm hitting the more violence button. Um, <laughs> I am probably the low man on this podcast when it comes to being very frustrated with the coaching staff this season, but I also feel justified in that. So I'm okay. So what if, and I have no reason to believe that this is actually happening. And and this for me, I guess is part of just for me trying to keep my own sanity about this whole situation, because if not, I'm going to unload on everybody and that's not going to be good for anyone. included. <laughs> What if they're trying to make a point to the starters that this is the way you're performing? Like, you know, you should be deciding whether or not this is uh, up to the standard of what you want to do. Should you be here in this spot kind of thing? What if they're doing that? And I know this is an offshoot because obviously they're not doing that. But I would love for that to be the case because it's like, hey, man, like – you're not doing like you're not performing to the um, you're not performing to the standard that we think you should be. And maybe you should be making like the, the Pete Nance way and following him, you know, after the season kind of thing. So let's hit the more violent, even more violence, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. 
But that, obviously that's not happening. But I'm just like, I, I keep yeah. thinking it back in my head, like you know, like I'd be, I'd love to be able to like to pull tape. And at this point, it, it wouldn't even be tape. You could just do box scores and be like, guys, <laughs> this is you. This is not working. <laughs> this is not working. While also trying to shield Don Nickel Trimble from this hot mess of a situation that you got yourself into this late into the season. And, you know, maybe you can start a little fresh, a little more fresher in the offseason going into next season. So obviously I know that's not happening, but I would love for it to because, yeah, like nothing short of us doing a GoFundMe NIL (laughs) fund. Or just $1 a day. You can send (laughs) <laughs> send a starter home <laughs> and it's funny because I, I how much do you think if you crafted something like this and sent it out to the Rams club <laughs> would, you, would you get back I feel so mean but also so not a bad idea. <laughs> I really do want to like um print out box scores on like giant poster board. Yeah. And tape them around the Smith Center. Mm-hmm. You can get the team email and just like email it every day. <laughs> just be like like red Sharpie around certain stat lines. Draw like a roast hand that just like points to a really bad stat. Just like question friend, marks. Make friends with their equipment managers so that you can do like personalized greetings in their locker in their boxes. But this is you. Exactly. <laughs> you. Roses are red, violets are blue. The problem isn't me, it's definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying that, like, hopefully, obviously, we're prepared to have everyone but Nance back next season. But I think it would. I am not prepared for that, sir. Only because we know that's going to happen. No, no one's leaving. I mean, uh, it's very hard. For- leaving, which I mean, defensively, that's. I, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know There's what no videos this time no video no return videos this time we don't need mm, that we don't need that I don't know I mean who, who can say but um I I do worry sort of like schematically about what happens when you no longer have like a guy that you can just be like okay who's their best player Go hold them to like twelve points. Yeah, I'm hoping there's something we don't know about one of the freshmen coming in. Probably that's probably not the case. But I mean, I will say it's Seth, such like a it's a rare it's a rare thing. That- you know what though? I feel like Seth is closer than a lot of guys. I think. What he has to work through is not fouling so much, but I think that talent-wise on defense, he's pretty close. Um, he doesn't have the size. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have the wingspan, but 
he's at least somebody that he's not going to let you blow past him most times. And that's another thing, like the fact that Leaky can basically play four different positions in order to go out and do that. Like, you know, not saying that we haven't hoped for more offensively and all of that, um, but I just think that losing what he brings defensively for a team that routinely, and like this is not a Hubert Davis coach team problem, it's, it's the the rule book of Carolina basketball basically, but like a team that loves to give someone a career night. Yeah. Lives for giving someone a career night. Um not having sort of like a built-in person to be like, you will go guard that guy. Um I I don't like that. Um I feel like when you don't have that guy, then you need to learn ways to make your collective team just like that unit that people can't get past. And I think that (laughs) I I, I know you're already laughing, but I mean, it's the truth. Like you, you just have to figure it out. And if you don't, then things like, you know, what happened against state and what happened against Duke and what happened against Pitt, like those just keep happening. So here, so here's the problem with that, though. You can draw up anything you'd like to to do that, to feed that team cohesive strategy. But if the players that you have cannot consistently execute that, that means nothing. Oh, I agree. But, you know, I'm more talking like mid to long term, um, short term. It's This group is who they are. They They just are. If this guy, if this group of guys comes back, we know exactly what to expect. I need y'all to stop talking about that. (laughs) I don't think we should do a podcast if they all come back. Like, (laughs) not gonna. I, I would. I'd feel some type of way, and if that happened, like definitely, I I would feel like at least once a week the gloves would be off. Because I'm just going to tell you exactly what I want to say. <laughs> I'm like, it's not personal. I'm sure they're all very good kids. I don't think it's working as a unit. And I don't see reason to believe that it would work as a unit next year either. So, you know, I I don't know what that looks like, and I am too afraid to ask at this point, but. I also don't know what this Notre Dame game is going to look like. Gross. I I don't want that either. Remember remember when we were naive and were like, I mean, the the Notre Dame game should be at least a, a gimme. It's not a gimme. And it's even further removed from a gimme from the first game where UNC beat them pretty pretty handedly, but they I don't know if Notre Dame's necessarily gotten better or if they've just been Carolina's playing tougher. Worse. That could be too. But all I know is they almost beat State on the road. They almost beat Duke on the road. They almost beat Virginia 
on the road, and we have to play them at home. That's that's bad. We're we're walking into a bear trap. Yeah, I honestly looking at the rest of the season, it would not shock me if they only won one game. Yeah, Florida State. Yeah. Yep. And I don't even know about that one. It is on the road where they just <laughs> cannot are they are not capable. Um, so certainly not a give me there either. Um, and we will have to hear about new bloods for the rest of time. Um, so let just, me just, let me just die. I'm a new blood. <laughs> that blood is contaminated though. That, that blood should oh not be God. transferred to another human. But it, guys, if, if we believe really hard, they can win out. They can win the ACC tournament. Look, if so here's, they, so here's the thing about that, though. I mean, I don't disbelieve that they can't, but the tendencies and the trends suggest otherwise. Like, you know, what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, that here you have put yourself in yet another position that you didn't have to be in. Like, what is there legitimately to believe that you can – still do any of that. Yeah. None. None whatsoever. You haven't been able to win the games that you should have won um and and could have won. And then so so here we are. So it's like, sure. I I don't think that they couldn't do it. I just don't think that they will at this point. So I don't think they couldn't. I just don't think they can. I'll put it this way. I feel like their NCAA chances are done. If they lose to Notre Dame, they're done done. If they lose the rest of their stretch, they're so incredibly done that their kids will feel that it is done and they will come out of the womb being like, y'all were done. It's just. Here's a question for you. Which is better for us in the long term? That this group gets it together and somehow makes the NCAA tournament or they miss? I don't know that there's a scenario that's good either way, which is Oh, it's not. Stuff. It's bad. It's bad and then even worse bad. But I'm just saying, like, which is the for the overall long term health of the team, which is which would be better, quote unquote better. So are you saying that if they make the tournament the bulk of the players starting currently will leave. And if they do not make the tournament, they will decide to stay. Or is it the inverse? Yeah, inverse. So if they do make the tournament, they'll stay. Oh, dear. Then they got to not make the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just so I'm just saying like you know obviously it would not be great but missing the tournament would actually give everyone the excuse to start ushering some people out the door kind of thing. Yeah. But what if they do make the tournament and they all stay? 
I'm going to be drinking a lot more. Um, <laughs> the next time I watch a game at your place, I'm going to be coming with a whiskey bottle and a sleeping uh, mat. <laughs> that, that sounds like a perfect idea. <laughs> it's like, Julius, why do you already smell like booze? <laughs> I was preparing. I've been preparing since 8 o'clock this morning. <laughs> but exactly. it's 9 o'clock at night. I know. I know. <laughs> So you understand, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying like it, yeah I I'm, I'm just trying to like at this point rack my rack my brain around scenarios that we could and I don't want to I don't want it to be misconstrued by misconstrued by anyone like I'm literally no let me take that back because honestly if it, if it was up to me I know exactly who I would pull scholarships from. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's like, I have a list. I recite it every night before I go to sleep. Like I'm on Game of Thrones. My nightly prayers. (laughs) Consist. Dear baby ram in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You got to go. You got to go. I know you're leaving, but you got to (laughs) go. I don't know. But I'm I'm just trying to like rack my brain around. Like, how are we going to... Because at some point, if, at some point, if this group comes back again, like not only are you holding back the upper, the already upperclassmen at this point, right? But the underclassmen that are coming in, and then what does that do to the twenty-four class? Like thinking, like, oh shit, nobody's going anywhere. Like, you know, what am what am I going to do? I feel like by twenty twenty-four, a lot of people got to go. They just have to like any co-editor they get, any like grad year they get, they just got to go. Um, I don't know that I could last that long sober. I don't know that I could either, but this man into alcoholism. Can I like list UNC athletics as a cause? Can I can I can I build them? (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know that there's a better scenario out of that. All I know is that there is a very high chance that we don't have to worry about it after tomorrow night. I Except there will be someone who tweets, it's okay, guys. All I have to do is win out and then win the ACC tournament. And oh, I'm a, you know I'm going to do it, but I don't believe it. And I'll, be, <laughs> I'll become the actual joker. And because all, someone always tweets it. And all, you know I'm going to do it, but that doesn't mean I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing it for the health of my mentions. <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know, just to preach some mental health practices, it's really probably beneficial to everybody if things mercifully end tomorrow night. And we could just focus on them not embarrassing themselves somehow even more to finish out the season and not have to worry about the NCAA tournament. Like I just, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. I mean, there's no reason to, there's no reason to, it's It's a pipe dream. Yeah. As in you have to be on the pipe. Yeah. To think that it is. And like realistic. And we haven't really said it. (laughs) Again, y'all remember this when you see my tweet. Like, I, I laid out like scenarios. I'm going to do it. Just yeah. I'm going to do it. And, like, uh, it'll get, like, 147 likes. Yeah. And I need to speak to each of them about how they choose to spend their time. 
And like, I feel like in some ways, for better or for worse, you know, it's okay because of what happened last season. Though the problem is last season happened and it created these expectations that they weren't even close to fulfilling. So if everybody does come back next year, it's just like, I don't even know where the expectations are anymore. Um, but, there are none at this point. Right. Or at that point. And maybe that helps them. Who knows? Like, you, I feel like preseason number one was a lot to put on this roster in hindsight. It was, but also at the time, they just made that magical run. They had come very close to winning a national championship. They were returning for starters. They had the whole Sports Illustrated cover that now, in hindsight, <laughs> could probably be burnt for like warmth or something. It needs to get lost in the archives. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it didn't seem that far-fetched. So to kind of combat that, though, I would say that I, I, so I'd say I kind of disagree with that because we had the high of being the preseason number one team. That didn't motivate them. You had the high of being the first preseason number one team to drop out of the top 25. That didn't motivate them. And then you've had like, since then, other than like the two practices in a row where you had that second one where they called the second, you know, players only meeting, like, oh, let's go stomp Clemson and then go back to what we're doing. They've had an opportunity to be able to be motivated by seemingly like anything that was going to be able to motivate them with the no expectations included. Because literally, we're the only people that are still like, hey, you know, they can still make the tournament, blah, blah, blah. So that would be kind of um, what they would be facing like coming into the season next season. And it still hasn't done it. So it's like at this point, you're just playing to play. Like there's not. There's no motivation to do anything more than just show up and be on the court kind of thing. Um, I think that, that's that's harsh, but that's just what I see from a fan, from a spectator perspective. And I'm glad that you said that because that wraps around to something that I tweeted earlier. It's not verbatim. What I'm going to say is not verbatim what I said in the tweet, but basically what I was getting at is like, People have been calling for a different coach that isn't Hubert Davis. And, you know, obviously people are mad at Hubert Davis. Tanya's mad at Hubert Davis. Um, I'm mad at everybody. It's okay. Yeah. Um, But here's the problem. Who or what is going to motivate this team? I don't think it exists. Like, you, you pretty much pointed out that it doesn't exist. There's no motivating factor with this team. And so I think that is why whenever we move past this roster, um, I think that's when the real true 100% evaluation of Hubert Davis probably starts. Once again, not absolving him of mistakes, not saying that there are things that he couldn't have done better. We just got done running off a whole list of things. But I do think that when you have a team that just cannot be motivated, you're stuck. And that's where no. we're at. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's why, you know, I really want to jump on um, Tanya's uh, wagon over there. But 
knowing knowing what this group has done and and just the fact that literally you don't want to save your coach's job you probably don't think your coach's job is in jeopardy but you don't want to say you don't want to make your coach look good you don't want to make yourself look good you don't want to you know prove the doubters wrong kind of thing again it's just not just last season it was the two years prior we're still here yes i me personally even if because who's to say that Hubert style doesn't work on the players that he himself only recruited, right? So who who's to say that it won't work on Ian Jackson, um, or, or you know what have you? But um, yeah, it doesn't work for this group. I don't know that anything else will work for this group. And before I'm on the, you know, he's got to go train because we haven't done that since Fedora, but. Um, before we, before I jump on that, I need to see him without this group. I'm not again, not a, like you said, not absolving him of everything. I'm just saying that um, the majority of his issues are with this group. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be ideal. Yeah. Well, I feel like we could go on for another three hours, but that wouldn't be good for anybody. Um, so maybe we call it here. Um, I have no happy words for next time. We'll be back. It might be bad. Could be okay. Probably won't be. We cannot promise that we won't start talking about any other sport except, uh, other than men's basketball. This will become a UNC women's basketball podcast for the foreseeable future. You will Give hear us speaking about things nebulously and just know we're talking about the women. Give me literally any women's sport, like basketball, tennis, lacrosse, you know. Can we talk about how the just every women's program on campus, I feel like just about, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I mean, I think we're still winning in the Learfield Cup, and I think it's solely because of them. Women's tennis, women's field hockey, women's lacrosse is getting it done right now. Women's soccer made national championship. Well, unfortunately, we definitely know it's not because of men's sports. <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone is very angry about that line of uh, topic. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let us know about it. I mean, not really. I don't care, but sure. You can, you can tweet me. <laughs> yeah. There, there's some, they are wearing glasses in like sunglasses in their uh, Twitter avatar and um, you know, anyway, um, we'll be back to talk about something. Um, would you like to tell the people where they can find you? You can find me laying in the middle of the road, praying for sweet, sweet. I mean, you can find me at THB Brandon. And you can find me at your local ABC store or <laughs> at UNC underscore Tar Heel fan. And you can find me driving the bus over everyone. <laughs> and also at Tanya underscore underscore Anderson. Until next time. Go Heels. Go Heels. Go Heels as long as I'm not sober. <laughs> <laughs> uh.